0: On Thursday in RCIA, I began by talking about something very basic, the sign of the cross. How we make the sign of the cross and, and what it means. You know, this simple gesture is a profession of faith in the Trinity, in the Incarnation, and in the power of Christ's cross. And we make the cross to begin and end prayer before we eat. Uh, we make the cross as well, the sign of the cross. It isn't obligatory, but there is a tradition of making the sign of the cross when we see an ambulance drive by or as we pass a church. We can and should make the sign of the cross if we are scared or anxious, uh, tempted, or afflicted. You know, it's not simply a profession of faith. It's also an invoking of the Holy Trinity, an invoking of the power of Christ, Pro- Christ cross. So, as I was preparing the explanation of the sign of the cross for RCIA, it reminded me of a line from the ordination ritual. During an ordination, the bishop says to the newly ordained priest, conform your life to the mystery of the Lord's cross. The more I think about that line, the more I realize there is a sense in which it applies to all Christians. We are all called to conform our life to the mystery of the Lord's cross. And I would venture to say, this is what St. Paul is getting at in our beautiful second reading from his letter to the Philippians. St. Paul is telling the Philippians, conform your life to the mystery of the cross of Christ. So let's look at this reading. In our second reading, St. Paul exhorts the Philippians to what can only be described as an incredible and profound unity. He says, Com- quote, complete my joy by being of the same mind with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Now look, this is a profound and incredible unity. It's hard to get five people to agree on what to have for dinner, let alone an entire congregation on the most important things. What he's asking is a tall order to say the least, but he goes on to exhort the Philippians to strive for humility over vanity, selflessness over selfishness. Again, you don't have to be a cynic to say that that's easier said than done. Ultimately, though, St. Paul tells the Philippians to have in you the same attitude that is also in Christ Jesus, and he goes through this beautiful and poetic recounting of the Paschal mystery. The second person of the Most Holy Trinity became a man, like us in all things but sin, and St. Paul tells us he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. St. Paul wants to emphasize that not only was he obedient to the point of death, but even, um, even the most extreme and excruciating painful way to die, humiliating way to die, death on a cross. Let's talk about the cross. Really, if you think about what happened on Good Friday, by any objective measure, it was incredibly evil. God became man, and man betrayed him, falsely accused him, wrongfully convicted him, tortured him within an inch of his life, and then executed him in brutal fashion. He died condemned by Pontius Pilate and rejected by his own people. Just another example of Rome flexing its it's military might. Yet we call this Friday good because God alone can bring good out of evil. God alone can transform what the world to the world seems clearly a defeat. He can transform into a stunning victory. By Easter Sunday, the apostles would have begun to realize that the cross was not Christ's defeat, but his victory over sin, death, and the devil. In other words, the cross shows us that God's ways are mysterious. Who but God would choose to redeem us by the cross? And the cross shows us that He alone has the power to do the unthinkable, to bring good out of evil, to bring life out of death, victory out of defeat. The cross also shows us the tremendous goodness and love of God, for he could have redeemed us any way he wanted to. Yet he chose the cross, this shameful instrument of torture, to show us precisely how much he loved us, that he loved us so much he would move heaven and earth, so to speak, to redeem us. Now, St. Paul's simple message to the Philippians as well as to us is this, if we are united with Christ's cross, if we conform our life to the mystery of his cross, we will also share in his glory. What does that mean? Well, let's first say what it doesn't mean. St. Paul is not talking about merely externally imitating Christ's goodness or humility, because frankly, it is impossible for us to imitate Christ by our powers alone. We need his grace. This is precisely why St. Paul emphasizes the interior transformation the Philippians and all of us must undergo. The Catechism tells us that it is only by the Holy Spirit that our mind and soul can be conformed to that of Christ. Once this renewal of heart and soul is begun, our life gradually begins, uh, ought to gradually begin to reflect the example of Christ. Our life must, ought to gradually become more and more aligned with God's will and purpose rather than our own. So where do we get this grace? Ordinarily, we get it from the sacraments. In baptism, we are incorporated into the mystical body of Christ. This deep communion is strengthened in confirmation and nourished in the Eucharist. This this communion, if broken or weakened by sin, is mended in reconciliation. But prayer is what disposes us to receive the sacraments well. It is a daily conversation with our Lord that brings our mind, heart, and soul step-by-step into conformity with his. So really, we must become men and women of prayer. The humility and selflessness St. Paul exhorts the, Philippine, uh, excuse me, the Philippians to embrace, the conformity of our lives to the cross that he exhorts the Philippians to embrace, it begins with committing to daily prayer. Maybe it's the rosary, maybe it's reflecting on scripture, but we must pray. Only then can this interior renewal begin, uh, begin to gradually conform our life to the mystery of Christ's cross. Maybe a good place to start is with the sign of the cross. The simple gesture, professing our faith and invoking God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, invoking the mystery of Christ's cross. So often we make the sign of the cross without thinking about it. An empty gesture. I'm absolutely the worst about this. But it doesn't have to be an empty gesture. When we make the sign of the cross, let us resolve that our mind and heart should accompany what we do. Let us make the cross with meaning, asking the Lord to further conform our life to the mystery of His cross so that we can share forever in his exaltation and glory.